0: Sometimes we wonder if God is speaking to us, but don't worry, he's speaking. He's spoken and he will continue to speak. In fact, if he was from New Orleans, he might say something like, you heard me? If God has spoken, we want to hear from him. And one of the ways he speaks to us is through his leaders, our pastors. Join Vintage Church for the next four weeks as we all hear a word from the Lord from each of our pastors. These four messages will be special, personal words that our pastors believe the Lord wants to tell us. What does God want to tell us? What does He want us to do? Who does He want us to be? Whatever happens, trust this the Lord will speak. You heard me?
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to Vintage Church, if I've never met you before. My name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and we are in the second week of this series called You Heard Me. Everybody say, You Heard Me. And what we're doing over the next four weeks in this series is basically you're getting to hear a word from each one of our pastors. Last week it was Pastor Matthew Weaver talking about taking care of yourself. You get me this week talking about dependence. Next week you got Pastor Brick. And then to wrap it all up, our one and only arts pastor, Mark Anthony Thomas, will be joining us. And so what we've been sharing in these messages and what we're going to share is literally just what we feel like as pastors of vintage that the Lord is putting on our hearts to share with you, what we feel like he wants to communicate through us to you. And when I started thinking about this originally just a few months ago, I immediately came to a passage that I often think a lot about. And I think a lot about this passage because I think it's an interesting passage. There's something that happens with a person in this story that I feel like happens to me often. And I think that it happens not just to me often, but that it ultimately happens to us often. And it's just a few words. And then I was thinking about, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I might change it. I might go somewhere else. And a few weeks ago, I told you guys that I, was, I had a week from hell. And many of you were like, oh, no, what's wrong? What's, what's happened, right? What, are there, is there marital conflict? No, she's right here. Everything is perfectly fine, right? Uh, there's normal parenting stress, right? There was just a lot of things that kind of piled up on me over that week. And I think that there's a lot still there that causes me anxiousness and anxiety, but as I've processed, and this is what I want to share with you today, I think that what the Lord is doing in my life is he's using circumstances to teach me a lesson. Now, I'm just going to tell you, my preference for learning is reading a book. I would much rather read a book about it than experience it. I don't know if that's you or not but some of our greatest lessons are learned through experience and so what i want to talk to you about today is i want to talk to you about a single word and that word is dependence i want to talk to you about dependence over the last several weeks there have been two questions That I've been asking the Lord and every time I ask these questions, the answer to those questions is found in the word dependence. I ask God this question. God, what are you doing? Anybody ever ask that question? And then the second question I ask is, what are you trying to teach me? And for both of those questions, the answer that God keeps bringing to my mind and my heart is the word dependence. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. If you're new to the Bible, that is one of the first books in the New Testament. You can turn there. and We're going to be in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. This is a story uh, with Jesus with his disciples, with a father, and with a boy. Here's what it says. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all of the crowd, when they saw him, that is Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he is a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And Jesus answered them, O faithless, everybody say faithless. And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Everybody say, believes. Believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I, what? Believe. Believe. Help my, what? Unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The word of the Lord. You said four words with me as we read that passage, and I think Mark is intentional to use these words where he says, "O oh, faithless generation, and where Jesus says, anything's possible for the one who believes, and the Father says, I believe, and then he says, help my unbelief. All four words have the same root. Because you you might read this passage and you might think that what Mark is getting at, what ultimately Jesus is getting at, is exorcisms, healings, the miraculous. And yes, all of that is in this story. But what I want you to see what this passage is ultimately about is that it is about dependence. It's about faith. It's about prayer. So what does Jesus want to teach us? Number one, this. If you're taking notes, write it down. Dependence is manifested in imperfect faith. Dependence is manifested in imperfect faith. Now, let's go back to the situation. What's happening in this story? There's a father who has a son with a spirit, a spirit, a demon, something that makes this boy have like epileptic seizures to the point that he grinds his teeth, he foams at the mouth, and it almost forces him into fire or water, nearly killing the boy. And the father, because the father has seen this probably in the crowds, where other people are bringing people that are sick or possessed to Jesus and to the disciples, and the disciples are healing all kinds of people. When Jesus sent the disciples in the 72 out, he gave them authority to heal and to cast out demons. But the disciples in this moment could not heal this boy. And the father is left to try and figure out what to do next. Go back and look at verses 22 through 24 with me. The father says, it's often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. Here is a moment of desperation. I hope that you see this. He's like, listen, your disciples weren't able to do anything, but if you can do anything, anything, have compassion on us and help. And then notice what Jesus says. He basically kind of asks this question or emphasizes, if you can, like, do you know who I am? And then he says, all things are possible for one who believes. And here's the line that I just chew on all the time. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think in this story, there's really kind of three things. Number one, there's an ache. The father has an ache. He has a son. We're not quite sure his age, maybe 10, maybe 15, who has been dealing with these seizures for his entire life. And the father, just imagine if you're a parent, do you understand this, has probably gone to great lengths to try and heal his son, to try and figure out what's the solution to the problem. How can I get my son better? How can I heal him? How can he be made whole? And inside this man, there is an ache that will not go away. You might not have a child that deals with a spirit or a demon or has epileptic seizures, but every single one of us have an ache. There's something deep down inside of us that if you were honest with yourself and you were honest with me and you were honest with one another, you could pinpoint and say, this is an ache inside of me. And I don't know what to do about it. Sometimes that ache is visible. Sometimes it's deep, internal, and you don't even know. You know there's something off, but you can't identify what that ache is. It's kind of like home ownership, right? (laughs) I know I've shared my ills, right? Uh, Just recently, we had some issues with our dryer. And, well, it wasn't the dryer. It was the dryer vent, and we've realized since that you know, when they redid the house, they really screwed up the dryer vent. So now I get moisture in my dryer vent. And the other night when I took all of these things apart, there was water in the dryer vent going out to the, out of the house, right? Now you look at my house, you're like, hey, it's a pretty decent house. But when you start taking things apart, You're like, man, that's messed up. Like, I don't even want to take the drywall down. Like, if there was ever an issue and I had to take the drywall down, I don't want to. Because I'm afraid what I will find. Our ache is the same way. We have an ache. We have something within us that pains us that maybe others see, but more often than not, people don't see. It's like this. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Often the ache causes us to lose hope, to lose faith, right? to come to wit's end. And you're like, listen, I know that I have this problem, but I don't know how I'm going to solve it. Or you begin to to feel this this burden where it's like I have this ache and there's nothing or no one who will ever be able to remove it. That I'm just going to live with this for the rest of my life. I think this father was getting to a point with his son where he was at his end. And what he was saying is like, listen, this is it. Jesus, if you can't do something, I don't know what else to do. And Jesus moves from this ache to the promise. Jesus makes the Father a promise. He says, All things are possible for one who believes. All things. Not a few things, not some things, not their things, but not your things all things. The reason Jesus can say that is not because there was something within the Father that made him able to do things. Listen to me, the effectiveness of faith is not based on the one who believes, but on who the one believes. Effectiveness of faith is not based on you, it's based on him. That is the good news of Jesus. The reason Jesus could heal this boy, the reason Jesus could literally change this father's life forever is because of who he is. That he is God who came to earth and put on flesh. He was the one in that moment who was going to go to the cross and die for sins and brokenness and bring healing. He was the one who was going to be raised from the grave. I know that you have an ache and that I have an ache, and you think that you're going to live with it not just for the rest of your life, but for the rest of eternity. And what Jesus wants you to know is that He can remove that ache, He can heal that ache, He can change that ache. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard, doesn't mean that you might not walk with a limp, but He can heal. He can change. I think part of our issue, or let me, let me pause and say part of my issue is control. Oh, did anybody? <laughs> I'm not the only one. Thank you. You know, in everything that I've been wrestling with over the last few weeks, I, I think I've kind of come down and I've boiled it down, while I have a lot of questions, I've kind of boiled it down to control. That at the core of who I am, I think I'm in control. That I think I'm completely self-sufficient and that I can take care of every problem that I have or others have. And in all of this, what God is teaching me is that, Dustin, you're actually not in control. You say that I am sovereign, but you actually think you're sovereign. And God is saying, let me show you what it looks like When I begin to take control out of your life, because listen, when you remove control out of your life, guess what you have? Dependence. When you begin to realize that in fact you have no control and that in fact God has all of the control, you must then become dependent upon him. Which is why Jesus makes this promise. To say all things are possible for one who believes. So there's an ache, there's a promise, but then there's the faith. Notice what the Father says. I believe. Help my unbelief. Sometimes when I read this passage I think about it like this where Jesus has said all things are possible for one who believes and the Father is like looking straight at Jesus and he says, I
0: believe!
1: And in the same breath he looks at Jesus and says, but help my unbelief. That's what I feel when I read this passage. And what I think is Mark is getting at and what I think the father is getting at is that the father's faith is imperfect another way maybe to think about this is it's like the father saying help my weak faith the father's faith in my mind is kind of like a man treading water about to die you ever treaded water Like you've been pushed out to sea. I got caught in a rip current one time and I thought, hey, I'm pretty good. And I lifted my head and looked up and I'm like, well, I'm way too far. And I thought the best thing I can do is just keep swimming. And I kept swimming and I kept getting farther out. And I came to this moment where I'm like, I've got like three minutes to live. Like I can't kick my legs anymore. And in that moment, what are you? You are dependent. If someone will not come save you, you will die. And the Father, when he says, I believe, help my unbelief, he's saying, listen, my faith is weak. I don't know if you can do this, but you are the only thing I've got. And I want you to notice the comparison between the Father and the disciples. If you remember... Back in verse 19, when Jesus comes on the scene and the Father's given the boy to the disciples to heal and the disciples can't heal the boy and he's, they're arguing and Jesus says, what are you arguing about? And they're saying, like, we can't heal this boy. And what does Jesus say about his disciples, the ones who follow him, the ones who are closest to him? And he answered them, oh, faithless generation." There's a difference between faithlessness and weak faith. Weak faith is still faith. Imperfect faith is still dependent faith. Jesus said it in other places in the Gospels that if you have the faith the size of a what? A mustard seed. Imperfect faith is still dependent faith. You might come to Jesus and you might have all of the questions. I mean, listen, we haven't even talked about maybe why the Father would be Curious to know why his son has these issues? Why he has a spirit? Why it's taken God so long to bring Jesus to the boy? I mean, there are countless questions, right? Questions that the father was asking. Questions that you and I probably ask. It's imperfect faith, but imperfect faith is still dependent faith. Looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I have no control. But I trust you. That's imperfect faith. That's dependence. But in this passage, dependence is not only manifested in faith. Number two, dependence is manifested in persistent prayer. Again, let's go back and talk about the situation. The father brings the boy to the disciples to heal the boy, to remove the spirit. The disciples could not cast out the spirit. And the disciples come to Jesus wondering why in the world had they been able to heal all of these other people, but in this moment they could not cast out that evil spirit. And Jesus provides them an answer to their inability. Inability. Look at verses 28 and 29 of Mark chapter 9. And when Jesus entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. Notice they were a bit too ashamed to do this publicly. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I want you to notice that even in this moment, there's still an ache. Could you imagine being that father in the moment? We've all had those moments where we are like, this is going to work. This is the answer. And as soon as it doesn't work, how do you feel? You come to this point where you're like, man, I'm losing hope. So the father is like, this has got to work. I've seen other people bring the sick, bring the possessed to the disciples, and they've always been able to cast that demon out or heal that person. And in this moment, you're like, all your faith is riding on these guys. And it doesn't work. I have to imagine that the ache the father felt only went deeper. only became more painful and then there's this interesting dynamic with the disciples where the disciples i think now have a different kind of ache because there's a moment in their ministry when they're healing and delivering and doing miracles and they're like hey we're pretty good at this stuff and then all of a sudden it's not working anymore And so in their ache, they come to Jesus and they're like, listen, we've done all of these incredible things. You told us we were going to do all of these things, but now it's not working. What's wrong? There's still an ache. Listen, you cannot, and I I know this might sound hopeless. I don't want you to see it like this. You cannot fix your ache. No amount of counseling will fix your ache. Listen, I go to counseling. I'm not telling you that counseling is not important, but a counselor will not save you. A pastor cannot save you. A parent will not save you. A friend will not save you. A program will not save you. You cannot fix your ache, but there is someone who can fix the ache. His name is Jesus. and so there's an ache but again there is a promise mark 9:29 jesus says what this kind this demon this spirit this illness this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer do you see why the disciples failed they had not prayed If you go back to the beginning of this passage, you will notice what they are doing. Rather than praying, they are arguing. Jesus doesn't come to them and say, hey, why are you praying? He says, why are you arguing? The disciples spent more time bickering between one another and probably arguing with the crowd about what's not working or why it's not working than praying. I don't know if you've been guilty of that. But I have been. One commentator says it like this. He says, this is about the disciples. Their faithlessness is symptomatic of the wider human condition. As Jesus in his ministry so often encountered it, it's an unwillingness, listen to this, an unwillingness to take God at his word and a horizon limited to merely human possibilities. Disciples are like, listen, we did all of the tricks that you told us to do. We did this first, and we did this next, and we did this last, and every single time it worked. And Jesus said, did you talk to the Father? Did you call on the one who actually does the healing? Did you speak to the one who can actually fix the ache? Or were you just more concerned about why it wasn't or was working? Lastly, there's a prayer. Jesus tells us that prayer works. Do you notice that? His brother, James, said it like this in James chapter 5. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Notice in this story, who prays? The disciples pray? Do the disciples pray? No. Who prays? The father. The father who has that imperfect faith, who is looking for an answer to his ache and the ache of his son, he prays. He calls out to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Notice his prayer, by the way. Was it eloquent? Was it it written down for ages that we would pray these words? Came from the heart. The Father is just being gut-wrenchingly honest before Jesus. To say, I believe, but you got to help my unbelief. I don't know if you've ever been sick, like really sick, like you can't take care of yourself kind of sick. And when you're in a moment like that, you become truly dependent. There was a moment, I can't, honestly can't remember, it was like five, six, seven years ago, uh, that I got really sick. I'm a type one diabetic, and I wasn't doing a great job of keeping track of my blood sugar, but I also got sick. I cut hand, foot, and mouth from my kids. It's a thing, just so you know. It's not pleasant. And so the whole time I was sick and I just, you know, I didn't have the energy to like keep track of my blood sugars. And if you are sick and you're not keeping track of your blood sugar, sickness can make your blood sugar rise. And so I started to feel better with the hand, foot, and mouth, but unbeknownst to me, I went into what's called diabetic ketoacidosis, which is just a fancy way to say that your blood begins to turn acidic. And me being me, Rachel kept saying, you know, don't you think you should go to the doctor? Don't you think you should go to the hospital? I'm like, listen, just give it a day. It'll be okay. I'll figure it out. And I'll never forget. I think it was a Friday morning. It's like 5 a.m. I couldn't sleep. I was miserable. I was, you know, vomiting and fever and all of this stuff. Couldn't hold any water down. Like I was dehydrated. And I took a shower, you know, just thinking that surely a shower would help. And I get out of the shower and Rachel walks into the bathroom and I'm laying on the floor because I'm that sick, like I can't move. And if it had not been for our friend, Nick Pacuary, who took me to the hospital and like, I'm not kidding you, we did things that I never thought friends would do. Like it got intimate because I couldn't even change my own clothes anymore. I was that weak. I became dependent upon him. That's the kind of dependency that the Lord wants from us. I know you wake up in the morning thinking you've got your stuff together. You know why I know that? Because I do that every morning. Thinking I've got my day planned to a T and I am going to conquer my world. And then God knocks me on my butt to remind me that I'm not in control, that I'm to be dependent. True dependence will always lead us to ask for help. True dependence will always lead us to ask for help. True dependence should drive us to prayer. Because we've exhausted our limits. We've tried everything. We've done everything. And there's nowhere else to go. We spend most of our days thinking that we're independent that we're self-sufficient, that we're ultimately invincible. But we're not. And by the way, that's really good news. We have far less control than we think. Other people are out of our control. Our kids are out of our control. Parents, amen? Weather, government, health, finances, life is out of our control. But life is not out of control. Our God is a sovereign God who is good, just, and loving. And for that reason, we can and must be dependent upon him. Dependence upon God is manifested in imperfect faith and persistent prayer. Probably one of the things that's been most beneficial for me for the last several weeks is prayer. Not like getting down on my knees and saying the Lord's Prayer, but sitting in my office chair, or sitting at home, or driving, and simply asking God questions, and listening for Him to answer. And this week, I'm going to give you some questions, and I want you to pray through these questions. I want you to ask God what the answer is to your questions. First one is What is your ache? Some of you might know that immediately. Some of you are like, I've been processing that my whole life. Some of you have buried it so deep, you have no idea what your ache is. And the ache matters because it's the thing that's keeping you from God. I want you to understand that. For some of us, those of us who are Christians, you can know Jesus and follow Jesus and yet have this thing in your life that limits your intimacy with the Father. That's our ache. Some of us, if we don't know Jesus, that ache is that sin or that thing Maybe it's just a stubbornness to say, God could never fix me, God could never heal me, God could never save me. It's so important to understand what your ache is because it's the thing that keeps you from God. So what's your ache? Number two, this is the questions that I've been asking myself. What is God doing and what is he trying to teach you? Just just ask him. Right? Whether it's good or bad. God, what in the world are you trying to do? And what do you want me to learn? Right? There are practical questions right now that I don't have answers to. And I'm super frustrated. But then there are deeper questions like this that God's beginning to answer for me just to simply show. To say, Dustin, you're not in control. Be dependent. So I like, okay, God. Lastly, How will your dependence upon God manifest in faith and prayer? I just think this is true. I think this is an axiom that we can live by. It's a truth that the Bible teaches that if you are truly dependent, your faith and your prayer life will be growing. If you are truly dependent, they will be growing. And so this week, begin to ask yourself that question. If I'm truly depending on God, where do I see my faith growing? Listen, it can be imperfect faith. I'm not telling you you have to believe everything and have it all together. I'm just telling you to have faith. And if your faith is growing, where do you see you calling out to God, praying, seeking Him? Because if those two measures are growing, you will see your dependence upon God grow. I want to just close our time in prayer. And I just I just want to ask if 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 any of this resonates with you. And you're processing dependence or faith or prayer or maybe you're at a place where you're beginning to identify your ache or you know your ache or you just need more of God. Would you just just stand? You don't have to, but if that's you and you're just like I just I want to acknowledge that because I want to pray for you. And maybe as you're as you're standing and you're I'm praying for you, would you pray for me? That's close. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are a God we can trust. That you are a Father we can depend on. Jesus, that you are a Savior that saves and heals and delivers. Holy Spirit, that you can free us. God, in those moments of whatever's going on in our life, whether we're on the top of a mountain or at the bottom of a valley, may we be dependent upon you. May you increase our imperfect faith. May you increase our persistent prayer. May we give up control and follow you completely. We ask all of this in your son Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.